0: Welcome to the Band of Brothers podcast. The Band of Brothers is the men's ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. The party we are on right now is winning at work and home. We are being led by Pastor Greg Mott, Jason Swigert, Eric Reed, Ben Pritchett, and several other ministers from the church. We're glad you're joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day. Come on there we go. Well, if I if you don't know me, you need to come to church more. Okay, so if I gotta introduce myself to you, you should know. Uh, But, man, this is going to be a great time. I left my Bible down here. Let me grab that. Thank you very much, my Michigan fan friend there. All right, winning at work and home. Did anybody notice in the bulletin this week it wasn't winning at work and at home? And uh, it said whining at work and at home. And I think uh, they left out the end, but I said I thought about that. I thought, you know what, that's probably actually more true than winning at work and at home is that we end up whining at work and at home. And maybe we don't whine to anybody of uh, significance in the sense that can change it, but we end up just whining about things because things are difficult. And when we get into a spot where you've got at home and you've got work, it feels like a lot of times as a man, it feels like failure. And what would it feel like to really win at work and home? Now, obviously, we know that you're not going to win every single time. I'm not going to win every single time. But to feel like there's a progress uh, that's going on. Uh, one day, I was leaving our house and, and Kelly, my wife, was was kind of standing at the door waving and being the sweet wife and, and going. Uh, I was backing out of the driveway and she said, well, have a good day. And I said to her, and it just kind of came out of me, I said, another day, another day to disappoint everyone. And I just kind of backed out with that thing because it seemed like at home, I was disappointing people at home because things were too busy here. And then it seemed when I got here, you know, um, I try to be an equal opportunity offender here at church, you know, that there's always some age group or chapter of life that I'm making mad at some point, you know. So I try to just just go along the ways and, and make everybody upset at some time. I'm teasing, of course, y'all look at me like, really, that's a strategy. That's a bad strategy. You need to win at work at home. But I felt like that in my heart. I felt like I'm just going go to go to the church, to where I work. And it's just going to be disappointment today. I'm just going to tell somebody no. I'm going to tell somebody they need to do this differently. Somebody's going to come in with this idea. I'm going to think that's not a good idea. I'm going to have to tell them that's not a good idea. Someone's going to complain about something. Then I'm going to get home, and I'm going to be tired. And even if I'm playing with the kiddos, I'm in my heart. I'm going to be thinking, what time is bedtime? What time is bedtime? You know, and I've noticed that when I'm in charge, bedtime always comes closer you know, I, I we go to bed earlier <laughs> type thing with the kids sometimes because it just seems like there's always that challenge of putting that balance of winning at work and winning at home. And at times, I bet this is true for many of you in this room, when you're at home, you feel guilty because you're not at work. And when you're at work, you feel guilty because you're not at home. And you live in this tension of going back and forth, back and forth. I'm I'm at home, but I need to do something for work right now, or uh, I need to make another phone call, check another email, whatever it is. I need to stay a little bit longer. Then you're at work, and you're thinking, gosh, I need to be at work, I mean at home, and, and really pouring in there and doing it. And so that balance is what we hope in this study that you're able to get because those are the two, two places that we spend most of our time. Um, we spend it at home. We spend it at work. And to win at both of those things is an important thing. So I hope that we can transition it from whining at work and at home to winning at work and at home. And I think we have that possibility. Now, I've got here on either side, y'all know I like visual aids, I've got a mirror on each side. So somebody kind of think back into your, your memory bank um, and think back, what is, what is a place in which kind of a famous moment with a mirror? And it's a cartoon. I'll give you a, a little uh, hint there. Can anybody remember a cartoon that there's a famous moment with a mirror? Snow White, there you go. Was anybody else think it's Snow White? Were you about to say Snow White? All right, good, good. Somebody remember why Snow White, there's a famous moment with a mirror. Good, nobody has a princess dress. That's good, we like that. That's good. We don't want you like, oh, I love Snow White. Do you remember? You're, no? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. I I got it on on YouTube yesterday, and I was going to show you the video clip. And it's funny how uh, exciting the cartoons are now compared to it was just a dragger. You know, just watching this one little section was kind of tough. But she comes up to the mirror, the the part I watched yesterday, and you've got got the, the queen coming up to the mirror. And she looks into the mirror, and she says, mirror, mirror on the wall. Tell me who's the fairest of them all. And usually they would speak back, you are queen. And then this kind of little morphed little face comes out and says, not you, but Snow White. And she goes into this just crazy, mad about everything. And then from that on continues the movie of she's going to get Snow White. And guys, what happens is I have two mirrors up here for this reason. We look into the mirror of home and we say, mirror, mirror on the wall, am I doing any good at all? What do you hear back? Sometimes you hear... Man, you're doing great, and it's amazing. And sometimes we look in the mirror and say, mirror, mirror on the wall, am I doing any good at all? And you look at it as a single man, and you say, well, at home, well, Lord, why haven't you given me a wife yet? And I, I want to be a dad, and I want to be coaching soccer and playing and doing all of those things. And then the dad that's coaching soccer and doing all those things looks into the mirror and says, am I doing any good at all? I mean, is is this working at all? Because we've been working on this discipline thing forever, and my kid is going crazy. You know, how how can we be... You know, we, we'll we sit down sometimes, and I'll be like, how can we for six years be working on yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, and we're still at times getting, ah, and they, you know, go off crying type thing. I mean, it just, is, is it working at all? So we have this mirror, am I doing any good at all? Then you come over, and you make that transition, and you walk, or you drive to work, and you get to work, and then you look into the work mirror, and you say, mirror, mirror on the wall, am I doing any good at all? If I am, how come we can't reach that goal we've been trying to reach? How come that staff member is still, you know, I'm working with them and it's still not connecting the way that that I want it to connect? And How does it work? And we're in a place, guys, where I think we end up where we look into this mirror at work, we look, look into this mirror at home, And we hear and we say, am I doing any good at all? And maybe we don't feel, yes, I am winning. And so what happens, we just kind of walk off the stage and we just sit down and say, well, I'm just not going to really try anymore. I'll just sit where it's safe and I'll go to work a little bit and I'll go home. Obviously, I got to do those things. They're necessary evils, but I'm just not really going to be in the game. And not only does God want you to be in the game, sorry, God wants you to win. He wants you to do a great job in those things. And we all fail. And there's times that I come here and as I'd share just candidly with you, you know, I feel like, man, I just another day to disappoint people. Then there's other days where I think, man, we're doing it. This is great. We're going for it. We're making it. God is doing great things in people's lives. It is an amazing thing that he's doing. And just letting those things happen. And I get home and, wow, this is great. This is good. This is the right thing. But it is a battle. And it's a challenge for us as men to always be in a place where there's always something required of you. And that's why we float to the newspaper, which I love, and it's great. We float to TV, we float to sports, we float to hunting, fishing, whatever it is. But do you notice that we float to things that don't require anything from us? And that's a lot of times because we feel like home and work begin to require too much from us. So this study, these weeks, we're going to try to, to get some principles of winning at work and winning at home. So that it's an exhilarating thing. It's the things that we dreamed of. Uh, in the previous study, uh, one line that really stuck with me is the things that we thought would bring excitement bring heaviness. You know, so you single guys, you're like, oh, man, I just can't wait to have a wife and, and some kids. And it's just going to be great. I'm going to have sex every night and play with my kids every day. And it's just going to be dream world. And then all of a sudden, some married guides laughing right now is what they're, Okay. And then you get there and there's a heaviness. Like, man, it's a responsibility. I can't wait till I got my own house. And then you get your own house and you got a mortgage and everything breaks, you know. And so it's a heaviness. But God wants us to be able to have a winningness in that as well. So if you got your book, a long introduction there, but, you know, that's just the way it goes. Uh, Session one is where we're going to be, page eight. Page eight, asking the question, what would it be like to win at work and win at home? So page eight we've got here, um, two mirrors that every man looks at, looks into, and then kind of a, a a brief orientation is where we are. And I want to give you some some things on the brief orientation. I like my table on the left. If you wonder why I'm switching furniture up here, but um, brief orientation. Here's here's the facts of us as men. We are performance driven, and sometimes we try to make that where that's not spiritual and God's not performance driven and all those sort of things. And, and of course, God's not like this driven, uh, adrenaline junkie type of thing that he wants us to be. But we are performance driven as men. We've got to know that there's a win column and a loss column. And when you and I as a man feel like the loss column is getting heavier or getting bigger than the win column, we're going to be in trouble. And we're going to find some behaviors that are going to be escape. And so we're going to go to The internet for pornography, we're going to go to the bars for drink, we're going to go to work for success, we're going to go to those things, and whenever you feel like the win and loss column is out of of balance, it's going to mess you up, and if you feel like the win column at work is, man, you're just nailing it, and the loss column is home, then where are you going to end up spending your time and your energy? You're going to gravitate to work, you know, and that's why a lot of times we end up working a little bit too hard in those ways. So what's it going to take for us to succeed? What's it going to take for us to get the win column, to get some W's going for us? What's it going to take? We're just going to fill out some blanks here um, under B, uh, Roman number one, letter B, uh, number one. You'll need to go the distance. And I'm just going to give these kind of rapid fire to you. Um, so just just kind of keep writing. You need to go the distance. A third of our sessions are going to be on women. Okay, so that's good. We need to know some things about that, single or married. How to, how to interact with a lady. A third of the sessions are going to be on home. How do you win at home? A third of the sessions are going to be on how to win at work. So if, if you just kind of show up at random and you quit halfway through, well, then you're not going to really get the whole study. It's not going to work out like that. And you've got to hang on with it. So we've got to have that um, a third, a third, and a third. Number two, you need to be in a small group. You need to be in a small group. That's difficult for us as men. Because as Eric said, we like to be individuals, we like to do our own thing, and so um, we, we kind of pull away from those things. But that small group, and we're going to give you the questions, you won't even have to come up with the questions, and you can read ahead, and if you don't like the questions, you can get scared of them, you don't have to, you know, just, just I got a big deal, I got to get done by uh, seven and leave before the small group, I'm just kidding. But you got to have the small group part to interact and talk. That's what's great about this, as Eric said, we want to gather our hearts, it's our strategy as a church, we want to gather our hearts grow our souls, give our lives. Gathering our hearts, you know, you can't really ask questions on Sunday morning. If I see you raising your hand, I'm gonna assume you're praising the Lord, okay? I'm not gonna call on you. What do you think, you know, in front of 3,000 people? I think you're an idiot, that's what I think. Well, God bless you, you know? I mean, what, what do you do? So, but here's a place you can answer and ask questions. Number three, you need to keep up. Everything builds upon itself, okay? So keeping up is an important thing. And number four, you need to apply yourself. You need to apply yourself. Have you found that positive results motivate you? I found that with me. When I see results, it motivates me, and it kind of keeps me in the game. You know, sometimes, I know this this kind of uh, true confessions here, but I want to give you, give you my heart. I will write down things on a things-to-do list that I've already done so that I can feel the victory of checking the box of them being done because I like the positive result. I like sit, getting it down, so I'll write down what it is, and I'll write down things that are easy, and I'll just, I just like checking them off. It it feels good to have a list that's done. Um, I can remember um, many times, uh, I've, I've I just go walk around the church. I did it just yesterday, and I'll just go, and I'll see something facilities-wise that we've upgraded or changed. Now, obviously, Facilities are just a symbolism of relevance and impact in people's lives. You know, we're not trying to just have a home makeover here. But I can walk through a place and go, wow, okay, we had a goal, we accomplished it. So like yesterday, I went and sat in the worship center. I just sat there. Just probably 15 minutes. I just looked around. I watched some workers work on some things. It was so encouraging to me to just see, man, we went for it and we got it done. It was a great thing. So positive results. When you apply yourself it's going to have the maximum impact. And what that means is when you learn something about how to treat your wife or how to treat a lady if you're single, apply it. And then when you see that it works, you'll go, yeah, that's good. Do some of these things we're talking about. Don't just be hearers of the word, but doers. Um, here's some disclaimers. There's no prerequisites. You don't need to be a spiritual superhero to be in here. Okay, doesn't matter. We, we want you here. Um, if this is your first study, be here. Number two, there's no pressure. No pressure. We're not going to, you know, ask you to, to read an Old Testament scripture with a bunch of names in it that nobody can pronounce up in front of everybody. There's no offering. We're not going to pass the offering, okay? Taquitos does not count as an offering because you were given goods and services for your money, okay? Uh, an offering is there is no tangible goods and services for this, is what's on the end of your little uh, sheet when you give to the church when you get it at the end of the year. Number uh Number four. There's no church solicitation okay um we'll We'll tell you some things that are going on throughout the time because we want you to be aware of it, and it's it's a great thing for you to know, but you know we're not going to twist your arm and try to you know make you join everything at the church and try to be here and and, and also too, if you have a friend mainly with this this point I want to say is if you have a friend that doesn't go to our church, invite them It's great. We'd love to have them if they're locked in at some other church, no problem. We'd love this to be a ministry to the community because you know we've got a neat thing in a church this size we can do some things that some smaller churches can't do you know for some smaller churches this this might be the entire men of the church this might be the the biggest men's retreat in the history of it and uh this is um obviously a great group but invite folks to come and be a part we don't we don't care um and then number number whatever number 5 uh there's no beat down we're not trying to beat you down okay we're not going to knock you around and try to when you leave here you go Man, I really do stink at everything in life. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm worse than I thought. I'm glad I went and had that taquito and heard that speaker because I, I, I just need to, you know, I'm, I'm terrible. That's not what we're going to try to do. But we do want to challenge you because you and I both know it's not going to do any good if we just say, wow, everything's great. Well, let's, let's take a step in that. Uh, number three, to liberate us to live better. That's our goal, to liberate us to live better. Now, in this, to liberate us to live better, what I mean by that is we we want this to be a place that when you leave here, your your life really has changed, and you really do, you've thrown off some chains, chains. Now, when you think about the word liberate, you think about freedom, don't you? That's what it means to liberate. It means that there's freedom that happens in that, that aspect. Now, what are the chains that bind us? What are the chains that are on our arms? Wanna give you just a couple of those. Number one, I think we have a lack of understanding as men. There's a chain of lack of understanding. We just don't know what to do. And so we have the right heart. We want to do something, but we just don't know what to do. And so we lack understanding. And that binds us down to live in ways that, that we shouldn't be living. So what do we do? We just do whatever we saw our dad do or not do. Uh, you know, we, we do things that we just see modeled to us, whether they're good or bad, and we lack understanding. And to break those chains of lacking understanding is the first thing that's going to liberate us. Do you understand, do we understand what it means to be a good husband, what it means to be a good dad, what it means to, to be a, a good employer or an employee? And when you learn those things and you imply those things, man, then you're able to take it uh, and to go to the next level. So I think that's one of our chains. Another change, uh, besides just kind of not knowing better, is a chain of pride. You know, as men, we're, we're prideful. And that's a good thing. That's okay. But it can go into a bad thing. You know, it's good to be proud and, and, and to, to have a, a feeling of, yeah, this is important, and I want to protect my home, and I want to protect the work, workplace. That's a good thing. But when it gets to a, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I don't want to ever be wrong, then that's a bad pride. That's, that's a place where you end up in a bad degree. Pride is a chain that holds us to patterns that are not healthy. So I don't want to change because I don't want anybody telling me to change. Well, that's a prideful chaining to something that we say, you know what, let's, let's, uh, that's going to take you over the cliff um, in pride. Number three, social blindness. Social blindness. Now that's an interesting one, and I'm going to say spiritual blindness after that. So social and spiritual blindness. What is social blindness? Social blindness is thinking everyone's like you. Everyone's not like you. Everyone doesn't think like you. Everyone doesn't think like me. And social blindness begins to happen when we, when we don't understand ourselves, we don't understand other people. Um, uh, there's, there's a guy in my, my family, I'll, I'll use a, a different name, um, and I'll, I'll call him Ralph. There's nobody in my, my family named Ralph, so I'll use a different name. But this is, this is the motto of his life, and I've said it to him before. I said, it's either Ralph or it's wrong. That's the way he lives. It's Ralph or it's wrong. What he thinks is exactly how everything else should be. So I've had conversations with him, and and he's been mad because people wear their baseball caps backwards. Who cares what direction people wear their baseball caps? That drives him nuts. He hates country and western music. I mean, hates it. And anybody who likes it is, is just crazy. Who cares? But his whole mentality is this social blindness of he got it right and in his life, this is the way that it's right. So if you're of a different political party, you like a different team, all these things, it's just like go to the mat on all sorts of things. Many minor, minor things. Social blindness is when we don't realize that we are putting the same mindset into things that we think we're the only one that's got it. Everybody else is an idiot, you know? And to be able to see that in this study, hopefully we'll be able to, to wake up to that a little bit. Number whatever, uh, spiritual blindness. Then to to think that we, we have so many spiritual opportunities, spiritual blindness is this, to never take advantage of the spiritual opportunities we have. You know, you have so many spiritual opportunities in your life, so do I, and we don't take advantage of it. We're spiritually blind. How many times does, does our Bible just sit on our, on our nightstand or our shelf? And here we have this Word of God and to be able to take this spiritual blindness. So those are some of the chains that we hope we break, okay, in these weeks. These spiritual blindness, this social blindness, these things of a lack of understanding, of pride. Now, you have a little, little uh, framework there that we're going to fill out. We'll kind of go down in a column. It says a core, uh, a man's core identity is what the quest for authentic manhood It was. We did that previously. Its chief elements were a man's wounds and a def- definition of manhood. The passion was serving, or excuse me, seizing your manhood. Can't read my own writing. Seizing your manhood. So the focus was a man's core identity. The chief elements were a man's wounds and a definition of manhood. And then seizing a, a, a man, your manhood was the passion. How many of y'all went through the quest for authentic manhood last time? Good, okay. So you remember that? That's kind of a good review for us. That that makes sense to me, and that that's... Good thing, that was a good study. Winning at work and home. Here's where we're going with this. We're talking about, in our focus, a man's chief responsibilities. Okay, that makes sense. Home, work, man's chief responsibilities. Chief elements, we're going to ask how a man successfully relates with a woman. How a man rightly engages his work. So how do you successfully relate with a woman? How does a man rightly engage his work? And then the final thing, our passion of it is to establish your manhood, establishing your manhood. Okay, last column. A man's chosen destiny is the great adventure. This will be what we'll do in the future. Understanding my unique design, developing a satisfying life focus, and maximizing your manhood. All right, I want to read to you a little thing from Dave Barry. Dave Barry's a, a, a columnist that's really pretty funny. I don't know if you've, you've read much of his stuff, but he's pretty funny, and he talks about um, different things that you think, uh, how, how things flow along. This is what it says. It says, um, yeah, it's work at home, but it's also sports. He's talking about the two mirrors of life, okay? That's how we would define it. He didn't know that we defined it like that. The two aspects of a man's life. Yeah, it's work at home, but it's also sports. When a guy gets married, he might say that it's for richer or poorer or until death do us part. But he knows somewhere in the deep ra- recesses of his brain, which is usually about three-fourths of an inch deep for most guys, that something could come up that would make him change his mind. And it might possibly be during the reception that it comes up. <laughs> work is just as fragile, whereas the bonds that he forms with his sports team are absolutely permanent. You may feel that there is something twisted about the values of a man who can be more committed to a bunch of transient athletes, none of which whom he really knows, and none of which whom care about him, but, uh, and he could, that he could care about them more than his own wife or his employer. But you have to consider the larger picture from this guy's point of view. For instance, his wife may be a warm, loving, and loyal person, but there's no way she'll ever make it to the playoffs. Not even if she works out and bulks bulks up during the the offseason, whereas there's always a chance that if the guy remains faithful to his team, it will eventually make the playoffs and it might even win a championship unless it is the Boston Red Sox. His quote, not mine, okay? The Red Sox won a championship after he wrote this. There's a guy, this is kind of funny, Wednesday nights. um, Every time I see him, this week I saw him, he had a New England Patriots shirt on. Last week he had uh, Boston Red Sox and every time I see him, I'll see him at, at at dinner we'll talk a little bit then I'll see him in the hall kind of picking up kids and he'll always tell me the score of the Red Sox game. It's so funny. So he, yeah, last night, 1 to 1 in the 6th. I got home, it was 1 to 1 in the 13th. And I don't know, anybody know who won? I don't know. Okay, me neither. I went to bed. So it was 1 to 1 in the 13th. So anyway, Boston Red Sox. Every guy secretly believes this. That his team can, can succeed only if he really cares about it and really devotes himself exclusively to the night and day of understanding his team. Even if it means he must put it on the same level of his family or his career or the threat of global warming. He does this, if he does this, he can make a difference. He can be a part, here's where it comes down to something really significant. If he does this, he can make a difference. He can be a part of a winning effort. We're not winning here and we're not winning here, that a lot of times we'll choose a team out there that will do the winning for us. He can contribute to the victor in every way that the athletes do, except in the ways that actually involve doing something athletic. Isn't it true? Aren't we sometimes so committed to our sports teams, a permanent bond? Aren't we wanting to make some kind of passion, that same kind of passion true of work and of home? And we'll have fun Doing so, if we take the effort to do that, we put in to our hobbies and our sports. We want the W's. We want the W's, and so winning at work, winning at home might be a challenge for us. So we'll pick something else to win at. Now, I grew up an Oiler fan, an Astro fan, became an Aggie fan. Now I'm a Texans fan. You take a beating if those are your four teams. I mean, that is a beating. So, you know, I just, you know, Final Four, I just pick a team that I think will win the Final Four, you know, because they're never from Texas anyway, and you haven't heard, you don't know anybody that went to those schools. But, you know, so just win. Somebody in my life win, you know, going to take a beating in that. So it's been great. You know, I asked David Self, my buddy back there, you know, what was the Oklahoma score? Just so I can vicariously live for scores that are in the 50s, you know. And then we hadn't seen a 50 in years, you know. I mean, so just a vicariously to win at something, to be able to do it, because we need to realize that there's, there's things that we're going to have to gain some insights of what's happening. Now, let me tell you on page 10, you'll gain new insights and understandings. This is my promise to you. You'll gain new insights and understandings about yourself, your wife, your girlfriend, your children, or your work. If you found that you were basically clueless um, on when you started these things of home and family, I want to show you a couple pictures. I don't know where this is in the order of of my little thing here, but I want to show you a couple of pictures uh, that I think you might get a kick out of. Uh, the first picture, this is my wedding picture right here, okay? That was us, um, and you know, I want you to think about how much do you think I thought I knew about marriage at that point, and how much did I really know about marriage at that point? You know, I just kind of thought, well, this is great. This would be fun, you know? It, she... She'll she'll be my wife. This will be wonderful. And I had just a funny story. That Saturday, I had done a youth camp in Florida Monday through Thursday. Flew back Thursday night. Arrived in, in college station at the time. Thursday night, my all my family is sleeping in my house. So I slept on the bed uh or on the, the couch because they're sleeping in all the beds. And then Friday we had the rehearsal dinner. Saturday, we had the wedding. Sunday, I think, yeah, Sunday we flew to California. So Friday or Thursday, I was single at a youth camp in Panama City Beach. Sunday, I'm in California married. Tremendous symbolism of the transition of singlehood and married life. I thought I knew a lot at this point, and I found that I didn't know anything. We had a great first year and have had a great marriage, and I mean it's been awesome. But I didn't know a lot then. Now let's move to the next slide. Next slide, this is Greg's ordination, 1998. I was ordained at Central Baptist Church, you know, and these two guys here, you know, I got my one tie, my one sport coat, my blue sport coat, and these two older deacons are coming by saying, you don't have a clue, son, what's about to happen to you, you know? So we're coming through, and at that moment, now you go 10 years later now, here we are, I know a whole lot about ministry from that ordination thing, and I've learned a lot of great things and, and some tough things. This, this right here, we can go to the next one. The next one, uh, here's us standing on the beach um, in Florida. We like Florida. Uh, that's Grayton Beach, Seaside. I don't know if anybody's ever been there, but we were there. And so Kelly's pregnant, and we're doing the, the sweet little, you know, hands on the belly type thing. And so we have this picture taken of us on the beach with our firstborn, and we're thinking this is going to be, uh, I mean, this is going to be so easy. It's going to be so great. I mean, it's, it's going to be wonderful, and I've learned so much about parenting. And I give you those pictures because they symbolize winning at work and winning at home, and it shows that point A there, you will gain new insights and understanding about your wife and yourself and your work. And let those pictures symbolize, because we could put your pictures up there too, of a, what am I going to learn through this thing? And I've learned a ton through these things. And they've all been joys. I know your, your life, I hope, is, is similar to mine in the sense there's challenges, but there's great joys. I'm, I'm married to the right lady. My kids, I love them. I've got the right job. I mean, it, it's, it's awesome. But there's challenges within that as well. And those pictures symbolize for me, when I look at those pictures, I'm like, oh, you think you knew a lot. You didn't know anything. And you know what? When I look at a picture of me today, 10 years from now, you know what I'll say? Oh, you think you knew a lot. You didn't know anything, and that's good. That's called growing your soul. That's spiritual growth. That's the way it's supposed to be. Okay, letter C, you'll receive a lifetime. These are promises to you. You'll receive a lifetime game plan for raising healthy sons and daughters. D, you'll have the opportunity to create 10 key moves. Isn't that good? You're going to get 10 key moves that you're going to be able to say, okay, if I take this step right, take this step left, Things are going to be able to go for becoming more competent and satisfied with your life and work at home that you can apply after our time is over. You'll understand, E, you'll understand life's paradox principle, life's paradox principle and have opportunities to practice it. And I, I know we got a gazillion blanks here. We're almost done and I, we didn't make up all the blanks. I, I I like this study a lot. I think we get too uh, blanky here sometimes, So, but we're cruising through it. What is a paradox? Somebody help me define a paradox. A major shift. Yeah, that's good. Okay, that's good. Something else? All right. Good thing I thought of one. Okay. Uh, Here's what it is. Um, Webster's Dictionary puts it like this. A seemingly absurd but possibly true statement. A seemingly absurd but possibly true statement. So a major shift, exactly what he said, that's what that is. A paradox is something that it seems like, well, that's, that's, that's crazy, you know, but it's true. Well, our biggest paradox in the Christian faith is the cross of Jesus Christ. Isn't that interesting? Our Savior died on the cross at the hands of evil men and he was killed and that's the victory. The end of the story is, Our guy dies. Now, obviously, we know the end of the story is actually he raises from the dead. But the end of the story that begins the end of the story, I guess, is that he dies. That is a paradox. When you hear verses like this, and this is the paradox verse of all paradox verses. It's Luke chapter uh, 9, verse 23. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever say, wants to save his life will lose it. You hear paradox in that? Seemingly absurd, but true. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what is good is it for a man if he gains the whole world, yet loses his very soul? Now, that's a paradox. That's something that's seemingly absurd. To get your life, you gotta lose it. What? To gain the whole world? It doesn't make sense, to, to, but you need to not gain the whole world, but lose yourself and, and deny yourself and all of those sort of things. It's a paradox statement of what happens in the cross. The paradox is where life is found. The cross is where it's found. Luke 9, verse 23 through 25. Luke 9, verse 23 through 25. Great, great question. Now, we're gonna start going around the cross. I'm gonna give you four things around the cross, but where we're gonna start, our first blank is gonna kind of be at three o'clock, okay? You see that on 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 a clock there? Not the top, but the next thing. Here's our first thing, awareness, paradox principle. Are we aware of the paradoxes of life? Do you really understand it's better to give than to receive? Do you really understand that when you give of yourself, you get blessed back? Do you really understand when you invest in your family, God's going to honor that, and he's going to bless, and he's going to take care of things. I mean, do we really understand that? We need an awareness. The question is for that, do I get it? Do I get it? The best answer is what B slash A means. The best answer is not nearly enough. Do we get it? A little bit, but best answer, not nearly enough, okay? So, and that's where you could kind of insert my wedding picture stuff, because did I get it? Well, sure, to a certain extent, I understood, but not nearly enough. Number two, right underneath, kind of six o'clock on the cross, vision. Can I see it? So do we have an awareness of the paradox principle? Number two, do we have a vision of the paradox principle? Do we see it? Can I see it? Not, uh, and then the best answer is not without humility, not without humility, okay? You'll never see the paradox principle. You'll never see the cross of Christ without humility. Humility is a prerequisite of having vision for your life. You've got to have humility because remember, one of our chains is the chain of pride, which is the opposite of humility. One of our chains is a chain of social blindness, of not understanding ourselves. Well, what is that? That's pride that says, well, I'm right no matter what. and We chain ourselves down to that. Humility is what it takes. Number three, which would be kind of at 9 o'clock on the cross, would be strategy. Do I know what to do? Man, I think this is where we really fall apart. We've got an awareness. We understand it's sacrifice. I'm going to have to do the dishes sometimes. We understand it's sacrifice. If you're waiting on, on uh, God's best for you and you're a single guy, you know, it's going to be sacrifice because there's going to be this cute girl maybe that you want to take out that, that she's not a believer, and you're like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wait for the Lord, and I'm going to trust the Lord with that. So there's a sacrifice in those things and God will bless that. But there's, we understand, we're aware of that. We have vision, we can see it down the thing, but I think a lot of times, we just don't know what to do. What's our strategy? And guys, we're in the strategy, we understand that. Do I know what to do? Best answer, not without learning. Not without learning. We have to be lifelong learners. I have found a great freedom in my life. People will come up to me and say, Pastor, what do you think about And they'll say some theological deal or what do you think about this Saturday? I say, you know what? I I, I could tell you some thoughts, but can I research that a little bit more and then tell you? Can I tell you tomorrow? I'll give you an email on some things. Yeah, because you know what? You can't just store everything in the world in your mind. I don't know is a great answer. And when you get to I don't know, when you say that, you could say, you know what? But let me go find that out. And in your family, well, what do we need to do about this? You know, I don't know right now, but let me think about that for a minute. Let me pray about that and do that. It gives you a little bit of time to learn. But whenever we just say, well, uh, this, this, and this, and this, we a lot of times get the wrong answer. We need to be learning throughout our lives. So what's our strategy? And then fourthly and finally, the execution. Top 12 o'clock, execution. Will I get it done? Will I get it done? Best answer, not without dying some to self. Not without dying to self. I, I, I'd even cross out some and just put to self. Will I get it done? So let's go around the cross for a second. Awareness. Do I understand the paradox of the cross, dying to self? Home and at work. Whoever loses his life will find it. Do I, do I understand that? Do I get it? Am I aware of that? Vision. Can I see that? Okay, I can see that playing out in my life. And I'm going to have to be humble for that to happen. Strategy. Strategy. Do I know what to do? Do I know the action points of that? Well, not without learning. And then finally, execution. Kind of a play on words, because what's the cross? The cross is an execution tool. Execution of Jesus Christ being a death tool. Execution of strategy in our life, of of letting it uh, walk out in, in the execution of our life, of getting it done. Will I get it done? Not without dying to self. Here's where you and I live. You ready? Here's where, here's Here's between the two mirrors is a crucible, okay? A cross, a death. Your work requires you to die to self. You're gonna have to give more sometimes than you wanna give, okay? If You've got a job that has responsibilities and you're not just, you know, don't care about it, but you're really trying to make something happen at work. It's going to give you a crucible, a cross, that you're gonna have to die to self. Because guess what? All of us are in a serve people industry, right? Everybody's got a client. Everybody's got somebody that's buying your widget to sell it to the next person, whatever it is. You got a boss. We're serving people. When you're serving people, it requires you to die to self. Now we walk over to the mirror of home. You get home. Anybody felt this emotion? You get home and now you got your second job. You're home now and now here come the kiddos possibly. Here comes the wife. Here comes you know a single guy with, with responsibilities and a roommate, uh, things you're involved in. Here's these other things that now require more from you. And if you don't go to the cross of Jesus Christ and let the resource of God be what overflows in your heart, you will run dry. God is the resource. The Holy Spirit is the resource. And there are times I pull into my driveway and I say, Lord, give me the resources through you to be the dad that I want to be. Give me the execution steps of having that happen, so I can get out of the car and go. Hey, what's going on, buddy? Yeah, we can play X, Y, Z. Of course, we can do it. Instead of okay, yeah, yeah. uh huh, right, uh huh, right, uh huh, sure, uh huh, yeah, right. And do that for a while. I mean, just I, I kind of try to keep this rule. I don't, I don't, I don't talk on the cell phone on the way home. You know, unless it's a fun call. You know, somebody I call and say, hey, what are you doing? And I call my cousin sometimes, but try not to handle things at the church on the way home because if I get home, I, I need transition to be able to do it. Now, some of you, that's the most strategic time for you to be on the cell phone because you're handling stuff while you're, you're um, driving home so you could be free when you get there. It's great. Whatever works for you. But we live in this crucible of this cross. Last thing, and then we're going to divide up into our groups. Turn the page. In everyday life, we learn this. In spiritual life, we learn this. Luke, that's the verse I mentioned before. In a statement, here's the deal. Die to live. That's the paradox principle. Die to live, okay? Die a little bit, live a lot. You ever found that you can't outgive God? And when you die a little bit, you're going to gain a whole lot. And so as we look into these mirrors, guys, we wrap up. You look into this mirror. Mirror, mirror on the wall of work. Am I doing any good at all? What's the answer you feel like comes back? Is it good? Is it bad? What is it? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Am I doing any good at all at home? Wife, kids, wife only, no kids, single, whatever, insert all demographic groups represented in the room. Here, am I doing any good at all? In that, this study, God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit of God, me as your pastor, We wanna see all of us have a lot of Ws in this column of home and a lot of Ws in this column of work. And that's why we wanna be able to journey forward in winning at work and at home. Take a time now around your your table. We got some questions for you and just talk about those things. You can go through the questions there. Make sure everybody's introduced and let those things kind of settle into your heart um, as you go around in that. So divide up in your group time at this time and chit chat a little bit and see what God can do with these questions.